So I typed a text to a girl I used to see Saying that I chose this cutie pie with whom I want to be And I apologize if this message gets you down Then I cc'd every girl that I'd cc round town And hate to see y'all frown but I'd rather see her smile Welcome to Royals Review Radio I am your usual uh, co-host, Sean Newkirk here Without my uh, normal co-host, um, Josh Ward But I do have my Former co-host, honorary always co-host, just, you know, warmth of our hearts, uh, editor-in-chief Max Reaper, who, very happy to have with us here. How's it going? I guess, uh, I thought Matthew Lamar was the co-host, or has he uh, missed oh, yeah. too many episodes to no longer get that title? Yeah, we got Max and Josh, but Josh seems to be steady, although we try to get him on tonight, and he, he couldn't make it tonight, so he's slipping. Apparently, you know, it's you and I that are the consistent co-host and co-host, so... Um, and Lee, Lee Judge never shows up either. Yeah, I know. He he always declines our invites. Yeah, huh? We have a standing invitation, but uh... yeah, just uh, all right. Let's see here. So we it always seems like I start off um, saying that we haven't recorded in a while, and that's definitely true again. Um, so we've missed a good chunk of stuff. But hey, we're here. Season has started. Uh, Max, I'm sure. You, your kids are excited, but how excited are you to have baseball again in your life? I'm pretty, uh, yeah, I was getting pretty tired with the, the fake stuff. Uh, I was, you know, spring training could probably be shortened by about two weeks. Oh. I don't think anyone would complain except for maybe the owners since they, they make a pretty good chunk of dime from spring yeah. training crowds. But, uh, yeah, I'm ready. I'm, I'm excited for actual live baseball. Yeah, and they get that free labor from the minor league guys that don't get paid for spring training, just kind of perpetuating that system. So and selling it to the fans is major league action when they got a bunch of AAA players out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, all right. Uh, the the business of baseball could be better. So, all right, cool. So, tons to talk about. Obviously, since we have a week of games, uh, we're recording this here on Sunday night. So we have had uh, six games with Tuesday being off, but that's better than zero games like we had to go through for you know four or five straight months. Um, Royals are going to go into the home opener two and four. Two and four, yes. Um, that's not so. That's not quite what we figured they'd be. What did you think they'd be, Max, uh, going into Monday? Well, you know, it's always hard to project. You know, individual games like this, but yeah, I think we kind of thought you know two out of three in Minnesota was pretty reasonable, maybe even a sweep, and then yeah. taking. Maybe one out of three in Houston, which is you know a tough place to play. Although the Royals did play well there last year, they took three out of four in Houston last year, and of course we know they played them well in the American yeah. League Divisional Series the year before that. So um, you know you feel like maybe one you know you can get one game in Houston, maybe two, and end up being kind of reverse of that. You know with uh, <laughs> them getting two out of three in Houston and just absolutely laying an egg in Minnesota uh, that I think caused a lot of fans to panic. Um, I don't know like. I think sometimes like the way the team starts gets magnified just because it's the only data we have so far. But uh, do you do you find you have a tough time keeping like a level head in the first week when you know they play three terrible games like that against a team that I think many people expect to be a losing team, or do well, you kind of like still take the long view because yeah, so so that's tough because so it's easy to say what's the saying you can. You can't win. You you can't make the win a season in April, but you can lose it in September. Something like that, which doesn't really make sense because 
one loss in April is the exact same thing as one loss in September. It's just obviously more magnified because you're closer to your final record in September. So losing three games to the Twins now is the exact same as losing to three games to the Twins or four games to Oakland like they did to in you know whatever the last home stand was last year. Um, when they really, you, you thought, okay, here could be a final push for the playoffs, and then they got, you know, four games swept by the Twins, and they lost by 80 combined runs or whatever the heck it was. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it is a full, you know, 162 games, but, I mean, this is three less games. Well, three more games they have to win um, to get to where maybe you thought they would have been. I mean, if you think they're a 500 team, well, now they've obviously got to play, you know, three games better than that. And then, you know, if you thought they were a 93-win team, well, now they've got to play like a 96-win team, um, which is, you know, doesn't seem like a lot. But, I mean, three games, that's a, that's the difference between, what, a wild card and being out or winning your division and being in the wild card. I mean, that, that could really come back to hurt if they are a playoff team, right? Yeah, and, I, you know, I, I kind of made the argument that, you know, teams like this have, you know, every team has a three-game stretch that's, you know, they play terrible baseball. Even the mm-hmm. 2015 Royals had a three-game stretch where they just got clobbered by the White Sox, who were a bad team that year. Um, but I think the difference is when it happens at the beginning of the year, you know, you don't know, you know, at least yeah. that 2015 team, you knew like, okay, they already had 60 wins in the bank. They, you knew they were a good team. Yeah. You know, it was just an aberration. We don't know that with this team. That This team could be a 95-win team. This team could be a 95-loss team. We don't really know. And so yeah. when you see them lay an egg like that, you just kind of worry that that's a portent of things to come. And, of course, in the Houston series, I think things looked uh, a little bit better, especially, the, you know, the offense. Now the oh, bullpen yeah. still has some issues in the Houston series, so I and I am a little bit worried about that because not only has it been an issue in the first week, but, you know, Fangraphs projected the Royals as having the third worst bullpen in the in all of baseball this year, which I think is a little little overly pessimistic, but I do think there are a lot of question marks it definitely is not the bullpen we're accustomed to seeing so you know when you see them kind of you know lighting dumpster fires the first week i think it sends alarm bells for a lot of royals fans and rightfully so i think yeah and the beginning of the season it's yeah i mean if they lost three games in like june or july to the twins okay and it's just more magnified here at the beginning of the season and i think you're spot on with the bullpen where and I think you wrote about this, that it was, you know, it's definitely going to be a question mark on the season. And unfortunately, the 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 two-headed monster that we thought was going to be good, uh, Strom and Herrera, has really just been kind of Herrera. Strom has really, really been bad the first few games. Um, I think he's made three appearances. Let me pull it up. Uh, obviously, we're recording this on Sunday, so obviously today's Sunday's game where he ended up uh, walking off with a walk-off walk. Um, and then uh, he has made, yeah, so this is his third appearance today. And then, of course, there was uh, the Minnesota game where he was, you know, not too great. Uh, what was that one? Yeah, four earned runs in that debut. And then, of course, uh, he gave up two earned runs uh, on the fifth. So it's been nothing but uh, earned runs and earned runs and earned runs for him. Just struggles there. Does he look like the same Strom, or what do we think is going on kind of with that? So, so the first thing I kind of noticed with him is that, especially with today with the walk, is that it seems like he's leaving the ball up in the zone a lot, which is kind of what Soria went through last <laughs> year. and Like the command seemed off, just a lot of pitches up in the zone. And when I hear that from pitchers, like the first thing I think of is they're, they're kind of hiding, uh, not an injury, but maybe some discomfort. You know, um, maybe it's a lot of times like guys with back, injuries will kind of leave the ball up in the zone because they're not kind of flexing their back the way they should be. 
So I don't know if that's a problem. I'm, I'm totally speculating with him. I mean, that, and he he did say that he needed a mechanical tweak because he was le- leaving the ball up a little bit. Uh, so it could be just a mechanical tweak that for him. But that's the only thing I've really noticed. I mean, like him and Soria don't have like blow you away, chat you know, Raldis Chapman stuff. Like they yeah. they really rely on a good mix of pitches and hitting their spots. And so if he's leaving the ball up in the zone, he's going to walk a lot of guys, first of all, but he's also going to get hit pretty hard, which we've seen. So that's, you know, without really getting too, too much into the, into the weeds on what, what's going on with him, that's kind of my initial reaction. But I don't know, like, are, do you think it's just kind of a, a dry spell that every, you know, every reliever has at least, you know, a couple of games where they just look pretty terrible yeah. or is it something, something more with him? Yeah, so I I think it's just a small sample size kind of thing. Um, his so and maybe so his zone percentage. And again, we're talking small sample size here. Last year, his zone percentage, which is the pitches he threw inside the strike zone, uh, was forty nine point nine percent. And then this year, it's up to fifty eight point three percent. So he was right on league average last year. This year, he's well above league average. So again, it's just small stuff, but it could be something where. He's just trying to pound the zone and getting beat by that, um, and that might make sense. But, of course, when you look at today's game with Houston, he was just completely wild, mm-hmm. it seemed like. So it isn't – I don't know if the zone thing works, and that's a good thing. I think Jeff Zimmerman, um, he found that pitchers who can't – who all of a sudden have big jumps in their uh, outside of the zone percentage uh, pitches, so pitches that are balls, effectively – um, that means there's an injury. You know, there's a bunch of things that are ideas of an injury, velocity decline, uh, strike zone issues. But that's one thing that, you know, if it's a mechanical injury thing, okay, you know, we have somewhat of an answer. But it just doesn't seem like that. And I looked earlier today and saw that his release points look like they're the exact same for the most part. Um, but it's interesting to maybe break down and see how his pitches are different. Um, last year with Soria to begin the year, I remember his curveball was dropping – I don't remember if it was more or less, but there was a change from his 2015 curveball against his 2016 curveball, and you could see it right on like a scatter plot. I mean, it looked completely different. Um, the two points were way far away from each other, and so uh, that could have been something where it was either mechanical change or an injury, um, and sometimes mechanical changes are brought to you by injuries um, because pitchers can't throw normally, and so they've got to kind of change the way that they throw to you know to not hurt uh, when they throw. So... I'm not sure. Um, I'm not worried yet, mainly because Strom was so good last year. He did, and I think, I think there's kind of two different kind of Stroms as well. I think we think of there's the Strom that just struck everybody out and that like has this awesome control, but his uh, his walks per nine last year and his 22 innings was four and a half. So he had command issues last year. Um, not like he was, you know, against walks. He just struck a bunch of guys out when he would walk a guy and then strike out the next two batters. So you might not have remembered it, but I mean, he definitely had strike zone concerns uh, last year. So I mean, yeah, I think uh, I think it's just small sample size, but um, I don't know. We'll see. The the bullpen will probably continue to be a question for the next uh, foreseeable future here. Yeah, and and his uh, you know walk numbers in the minors weren't like, and they, I think he is you know a little bit higher than average for a yeah. starting pitcher. And then it'll get better when you go to the bullpen. But, you know, people were putting a lot of expectations on this kid based on yeah, sure. 22 innings last year. And we forget, he skipped AAA last year. I mean, he, he's, yeah. he's made 22 uh, – he's pitched 22 games 
above high A, and all of them have come at the double A level, other than his major league innings last year. So yeah, he's he's kind of made a big jump to the big leagues, and people were like, oh, he should be the eighth inning guy. Well, he's probably going to have to be eased into that role. He probably you know has a lot of expectations on him, and there's a lot of pressure on him, and and, and uh, you know maybe he's overthrowing. That could be a possibility as well. But uh, you know he's a guy that's probably going to have to get his feet wet a little bit, and we can't expect him to just be. You know, H part of the next HGH automatically when he uh, uh, he probably has a ways to go before he gets to that to that level. I wish we had. Uh, it'd be great if there was Strom if the if the bullpen went Strom as closer, Herrera as setup man. And then we sign someone with an I and a T. <laughs> that way it could be S H I T. That'd be uh, not safe for work, I think. Yeah, yeah. I can't think of an, a reliever with an eye. There's got to be an Iglesias or something out there. Okay. Um, all right. Well, yeah, I, I'm not that worried about Strom. But you know who's been looking good? Uh, counter, uh, you know, counterintuitive to last year or opposite of last year is uh, Walking Soria. And I know you're a Soria fan. You might even be a Soria apologist. <laughs> yeah, might be, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's looked pretty good. Um, he's hitting his spots a little bit better and – um, you know, with him, it, it was kind of mystifying last year because he didn't seem like I said he was his command was a little bit off, but it you know his uh-huh. velocity was still, I think it was actually up a tick maybe last year. Yeah, it was. Um, but um, and his strikeout numbers were pretty good last year. He just he had a really high walk rate for him, which is I yeah. think kind of part kind of his death now. But um, yeah, it's good to see him back. And 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 he had a two inning outing today. Looked pretty sharp. Got in a little bit of a jam, but but had some nice plays defensively on his part to get out of it. So I'm encouraged. I think they're going to need him. I mean, look, when when a small market team plunges twenty five million dollars into a reliever, they kind of yeah. need that guy to pan out. So yeah, uh, uh-huh. and especially with the way the bullpen is right now, with with you know, there's no more Wade Davis, no more Greg Holland. They need Soria to kind of be that eighth inning guy that Ned Yost is going to use him as. Uh, and so he really needs to pan out, uh, especially with Strom having these struggles. So I'm I'm pretty encouraged so far. Uh, I think he can bounce back. You know, we know relievers can be pretty volatile with a performance, so yeah. it wouldn't surprise me at all if he he bounces back and is a pretty effective reliever this year. But I don't. What's your what's been your early impression out of him? Yeah, you know, if, if I if a week ago, if on whatever Sunday before the season started, you said, who do you think is going to give up seven runs first, Joaquin Soria or? Excuse me. Who do you think is going to have zero runs by the end of the week, and who's going to have seven runs allowed by the end of the week? And I would have said Joaquin Soria, but it's been the exact opposite. Soria uh, has not allowed a run, and he's only allowed one hit. Um, so he's been much, much better than to start the year last year, um, which you know was just the worst timing because coming off that big, that relatively big contract, um, and he just was not good to start the season. I want to take a look at what that was real quick. Uh, yeah, he gave up, that's right, three runs uh, in his debut against the Mets, and then he gave up one in Minnesota. Then he, his whole April was just not good at all. Um, so Soria, obviously come out the gates better. Um, walked a bit. He's got three walks to four strikeouts, so that's obviously going to have to fix, but he hasn't allowed a home run, which is kind of nice. Um, and so, yeah, it's been okay. He's, I, I, I didn't like the contract to begin with, and I'm still not that much a fan, but, uh, I mean, been okay i'd like to see the walks not live around where they were last year and where they've been so far this year uh, but that's really the only thing holding him back from being really you know really good a guy that you can really trust with the eighth inning i would say no. uh but new guys new relievers travis wood who i always have to stop myself from saying alex wood i don't know why but alex wood comes to my mind first um and then brandon wood 
the old angel slugger. Uh, but Travis Wood, he has been not so fun uh, to start the year. He's been very Strom-esque. Yeah, I, that's, I'm surprised Kerry Wood doesn't come to mind because I think every the first time uh-huh. I posted an article that uh, the Royals had signed him, I think half the people thought it was Kerry Wood, <laughs> which uh, yeah. Kerry Wood would be great. Uh, I don't yeah. know about Kerry Wood at this point in his career. No. Uh, yeah, Travis Wood has not looked particularly sharp. Um, probably not helping his chances of ever getting back into the rotation if he was hoping to yeah. to get that chance, especially after Carnes pitched really well on Sunday against Houston. So, uh, you know, and I, some of that I think is on him, but some of that is kind of on Ned Yost. And I think you, you kind of agreed on Twitter, at least made that point, that he should not be facing right-handed hitters never. in yeah. – high leverage situations because he is yeah. not a very good he is an excellent pitcher against left-handed hitters and he is i mean i i put up his numbers last year and they're worse than soria's numbers against all hitters and we know how much soria struggled last year I and mean, he gets yeah. he gets lit up pretty well against right-handed hitters and you know we saw you know in day one ned yost has him against miguel sano who we know what kind of power he has in a you know tight situation in minnesota and of course he gives he gives up the, the lead there, um, and and it's been you know he struggles against right-handers. That's pretty obvious. So I think Ned, you know, Ned is not used to having a left-handed specialist. Really, I mean, you look at the roster last couple of years. The only guys we've really had yeah. are Franklin Morales, yeah, and uh, who's the was other Collins? guy? Collins was he? Uh, Collins wasn't really left- used as a lefty, and I don't think he has a bunch of a split. So I think it's really been just Morales, yeah, and oh uh, Scott Downs. Who we had for a couple months? Oh, those, those, yeah. those are really the only two okay. left-handed specialists I think we've had under Ned Yost. Um, so it may be—I don't know if it's something he's he's comfortable using, yeah. um, but he's going to have to really learn how to use wood to maximize his efficiency or effectiveness because it's not going to be against right-handers. Yeah, and you'd mentioned Carnes. Um, really surprised. Okay, so maybe not surprised, but interesting. So Carnes, uh, you know, in his Royals debut, he actually, I thought it was really weird seeing him come in for some reason. Not weird, but uh, on the game against Minnesota on what would have been Wednesday, so game three, um, we always brought him out as a reliever, which I thought was kind of weird because I was like, okay, I thought he was going to be in the rotation for sure. Uh, so it might have been, I think it timed up perfectly with kind of maybe when he was supposed to pitch. But uh, so he came, comes in, <clears throat> excuse me, gives up four runs, just Right off the bat. And he's it, been a bad reliever throughout his – I mean, yeah. it's a small sample size, like 16 innings, yeah. but he's not been a very good reliever in his career. No, and then, you know, that's over, you know, two outs of an inning, so point two innings. And then today, or Sunday, um, he comes in and pitches, you know, five and two-thirds, and uh, it was good. I mean, he, he limited the home run, uh, the earned runs. He gave up the single home run. He didn't get the walks. Uh, he had two walks, three strikeouts, so it was okay. He did his job as far as preventing runs. Excuse me. Um, Darren Willman at StatCast, he tweeted out a bunch of things about uh, the Astros hitters had like 10, not 10, they had like five or six guys had uh, individual batted balls that were over like 100 miles per hour. So Hmm. he was getting hit hard, um, but his defense did very well. And so, you know, it it was interesting to see Carnes just do good as a reliever, but really, really bad on Wednesday, you know, in his short time. Excuse me, really good as a starter, Mm -hmm. poor as a reliever. Um, Do you think Carnes kind of stays in the rotation all year? I know it's kind of play it by ear, um, but it feels like Yost, with what Yost kind of saw today, I I think that bought Carnes like several, 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 several more starts, if not, 
you know, maybe the rest of the year, unless something goes really crazy, right? Yeah, and I think so. Uh, first of all, I just, when you when you mentioned him coming in relief like that, I think Ned, you must be like of some school of thought that like if you throw, if you come into a yeah. game on your throw day, it must be really good. Cause right. It reminded me of your Ventura coming in in the wild card yeah. game, like two days after he had made a start. And I'm like, <laughs> what are you doing, Ned? Why is he? I mean, because it wasn't like the bullpen was taxed at that point. Yeah, uh, so yeah. he must have, I don't know. I don't know what was up with that. But, um, yeah, I think Carnes is a good candidate to stick in the rotation. Um, and I, and I, I've been pretty high on him. I, th- I, was, I thought that was a I, – I love Dyson. I, you know, I don't think you're going to get fair value for Dyson just because I think he's underrated by the Royals and a lot of other teams. But for if you are going to trade him and get a pitcher that has some red flags to his resume, I thought Carnes is a kind of high upside – not sure. super high upside, but I think he can be a number three starter for you. You can definitely strike guys out. Yeah, I think the contact is a little troubling. He had some trouble in the fifth as well. He has trouble going deep in games. Um, but for what the Royals need right now, which is kind of a, a cheap starter who can kind of, uh, you know, be a solid number four guy, I, I guess, starter, uh, put up an ERA probably in the high threes, maybe round four. I think he can probably do that. Um, and I guess the, the, what I was encouraged by with his transaction, with the, the trade, is it seems like they're they're specifically going after starting pitchers that can miss bats. Like Kennedy was yeah. definitely a guy that can miss bats for whatever you want to say about him. He, that's one thing he can do. Carnes definitely misses bats, uh, and I think that's a that's a profound shift in philosophy from the organization that once stressed pitching to contact. So uh, that's encouraging. I think he he's a guy that can stick. Um, I think injuries are a concern with him a little bit. He did have a back injury that kept him out half the year, and I think he's had um, Tommy John before. Um, and so that's a concern, and going deep in games is a concern. But um, yeah, I think I think he I think he can stick in the rotation. Um, what, what I mean, what I know you, the hard hitting the hard hits concern you a little bit. But is there are there, are there more long term concerns you have from Collins, or do you, do you think he's a guy that can be in the rotation? Yeah, well, for a while? the walks are it. I mean, yeah. that's the one thing is everybody knows he's got pretty good stuff. Um, but I mean, he's got a you know almost a career four walk rate, and he's walked uh, what is it? Uh, almost 10% of the batters he's faced for his career. And that's mixed between relief and, and starting. So I'd have to go deeper to see what he did as a starter. Um, but yeah, I mean, just really the walks, uh, you know, um, and I guess there is a bit of a concern like, as well with the durability. Um, you mentioned his back and, you know, he's never pitched more than 147 innings. It looks like with the Rays back in 2015. So, um, and that was over 27 starts. And so that's not even, I mean, figure if a guy goes, let me see, 147 divided by 27, that's uh, five and a half innings or whatever, 5.4 innings, which probably is pretty close to 5.1 innings um, overall. So it's not as if he's been durable, especially if he's averaging just a little more than five innings a game when he does start. Um, so those are the two things. I think walks and uh, durability. But, I mean, he went out well today. If, you know, five days from now he goes out and does well against uh, L.A., I think is who he would go against by then. Uh, then yeah, I mean I think Yost is just going to keep putting him out there until if he if slash when he strings together a bunch of bad starts. But even then, I mean even if he does get pulled, who's taking his place? Right, uh, right. Chris Young or Wood, who's been not very good. I mean yeah. it's not like there's much after him necessarily. And I will say that um, I know you know Saris at Fangraphs pointed out that Carnes kind of had a his his release point was dropping a little bit, and that could have been a source of some of his problems last year. Yeah. And I know that Island, Dave Island, the Royals pitching coach, likes to kind of stress going high um, oh, yeah. to release points with Kennedy and I think Duffy a little bit as well. So if that's a point of emphasis that the Royals have, 
and that's a mechanical issue that can work out with them. I, you know, and I think working with their ballpark and and, and um, their outfield, I think, could help them as well with his fly ball rates. Uh, so I think it could be a pretty good fit for him if if they can if Island can kind of work his magic. Um, but yeah, like I don't know what other option. I think they have better depth than they had last year. Um, you know, Young is not that encouraging, but and Wood even Wood. You know, he struggles against righties, but he's had some success, I guess, as a starting pitcher. But, you know, Kyle Zimmer, cross your, you know, fingers, can hit, you know, yeah. if he can stay healthy. Josh Stamont didn't have a particularly encouraging uh, debut this yeah. year, but, um, yeah. you know, it's, he's still young and could could uh, have a nice year, maybe find himself in the big leagues. Uh, so there's uh, some other options, but, yeah, it's not right now, unless he's just out there being Guthrie-esque, which has a new meaning now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, then I think they're going to stick with him, and and then they probably should, I think, because I think there's some some upside with him that that maybe some other guys don't have. Okay, so left hand. So I I went to play index. Uh, throws left-handed, left-handed. So most innings pitched by a left-hander against left-handed batter. Excuse me, left-handed pitcher against left-handed batter. So lefty on lefty, and I put game start as zero. So I tried to find a reliever since in the Ned Yost era. Tim Collins, 95 innings, which, of course, this doesn't count for how many innings they might have had against righties, right. but I just tried to see who got the most against lefties. So Tim Collins, Francisco Lee Bueno, yeah. Franco Morales, and Jose Mahares are up there. Jose um, Mahares, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there's been there's been very few, maybe not few, but, I mean, there's not no, not that many at all. Because yeah. Collins, I think you're right. He didn't just only face uh, lefties. He, I think I remember him coming against everybody, and you mentioned Morales was lefty only. So... Yeah, especially since Morales was there for a while. So, all right, I think I'm with you. Yeah, yeah no, Yost doesn't necessarily like the Lukey thing, and I think that's just because he's got a kind of a general trust in his bullpen. Right. He just kind of thinks, you know, he kind of likes everybody going after everybody for everything. So, mm-hmm. huh? That's uh, that's the man. So, um, one thing, one encouraging uh, thing so far, at least, well, a couple things, but one that obviously everybody was really excited for was to get uh, more of Danny Duffy. Um, and he's been really good so far this year. Um, what are your thoughts on on the Duff Man so far? Um, the first thing that stood out to me was that his changeup looked really impressive. Uh, I thought yeah. um, I thought that it looked he's getting a lot of whiffs. And I I, I want to say he threw twenty six of them and got like uh, seven seven whiffs out of it or something like that. Uh, There's quite a quite a uh, quite a few whiffs that he was getting from his changeup, which is pretty encouraging to see. And um, and you know I was kind of worried that he'd come out on opening day and try to throw 200 miles an hour he'd be all amped yeah. up and uh, his velocity is actually down a little bit which uh jeff zimmerman tweeted out and he seemed to be a little concerned about duffy uh, having his velocity down which you know maybe they're you know that certainly as a tommy john survivor we'd want to keep a close eye on him but uh yeah uh, but you know i thought it, I, I i thought it was more him being mature staying within himself not you know trying to hit his spots which i thought he did really well he was really painting the corners and i saw a really cerebral duffy out there kind of working working the you know corners working the changing speeds really well so i was pretty encouraged by that i you know you always wonder with a guy like that that's only put up one good year like that um if it's was a fluke or he's just you know always going to be inconsistent and i mean so far through two starts i think he's earning his his new contract i mean uh, what do you think yeah there was a moment there was a great sequence um uh, where it was Buxton, and I tweeted a gif out of it, of Buxton, Duffy against Buxton, where he went, uh, I think he went change-up, slider, change-up, 
And, like, Buxton had no idea. He wasn't even close. Buxton's had issues with strikeouts anyways, but he just looked awesome in that sequence. And, yeah, so far he's gotten, uh, in his two starts, changeups have gotten most whiffs. He got seven yesterday, uh, Saturday, and he got seven on the uh, debut on Monday for the changeup. So a bunch of whiffs. That's his most whiff pitch so far, 14 of them to start the year, which is a ton. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's really great seeing him out there. We knew that... So I didn't really know about the velocity thing. That's pretty interesting. And, um, we, we we actually expected velocities to be up, I think, this year because mm-hmm. of the kind of weird mis... Uh, not weird, but the way that they're doing the pitch effects now. Um, but, yeah, that's kind of interesting. And the, with the Tommy John issue that he had, you always do have to be cautious of that. I don't know. It seems like Duff's going to be a dude. He's going to... Do you think he gets to 200 innings this year? That seems reasonable, right? Yeah, I think so. I think uh, as long as he's healthy, he, I mean, he should get 32 yeah. starts. And yeah. it seems like he's he can, you know, if he is taking a kind of a different approach, that he can go a little bit deeper in games. I mean, certainly his command yeah. seems a lot better. So, um, yeah. you know, if he can get go a little bit deeper in games, I think, yeah, 200 innings should be uh, at play. So Yeah, he had 180 last year. Um, and then that's what that yeah, that's not starting till yeah. mid May. Right, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And he had, I want to maybe it was against the Astros just this past Saturday. I think I thought I remember seeing his pitch count and like he was at like sixty pitches or something. I think he started off the game with like four pitches in that inning, and that's I mean he got out of it real quick. So he definitely seems like it's been more efficient, which is you know something that's plagued him, and that's. You know, part of just with him pounding the zone like he does now. Um, and he was getting squeezed yeah. on opening day, too. I think like uh, the, the maps were showing oh, yeah. that the Jerry Davis yeah, yeah. behind the home plate was uh, kind of squeezing him. There's a couple couple uh, ball fours that definitely should have been, I mean, shouldn't, uh, you know, if they're called by a robot umpire, I think would have been called by called a strike, but uh, uh, not for him. So, yeah, I think yeah. I think uh, it's a pretty encouraging start. You know, I was, I was just thinking about, um, you mentioned 200 innings, and, I remember Dayton Moore talking about 1,000 uh, innings pitched out of a starting rotation. Yeah. Uh, I was just curious, like how many, how many times the Royals have actually gotten 200 innings out of a starting pitcher? How many, how many seasons do you think they've gotten oh. uh, 200 innings out of a starter from, from uh, under, under, in the Ned Yost era? Or the, okay, I'm sorry, so, Dayton Moore era. Dayton Moore era. Okay, so how many times has a pitcher gone 200 innings in a season? In one year, um, Gilmesh. I think Gilmesh absolutely did it. Yes. Um, there's he did, probably he did it somebody. Twice, I'll tell you that. Okay. Then, uh, then there's probably like a Jose Lima or somebody, some random pitcher that got 200 innings. Um, no Lima. I don't. Yeah, I don't think there's a random guy. Uh, the, the guys that got it, I think, are pretty. Okay. Solid. I don't know. So nobody last year. Am I right? Oh wait, did Kennedy do it last? I don't know. I'm gonna say no. Kennedy did not do it last year. Okay. So since 2007. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna say there have been four pitchers. Four. I'm gonna say four. That's uh, that's probably what I would have guessed. It's actually six. Uh, Eleven ah. different seasons. So the list uh, will go chronological order. It's uh, okay. Gilmesh in 2007, which <laughs> uh, you know they <laughs> won what 70, Wait, did, 72 games that year, but they uh, they wanted to get their money's worth, I guess. Didn't 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 Mesh end up pitching like 700 innings that season or something because of. Uh, Trey Hillman? Close to it, yeah. 216 innings, and then followed up the next season with 210 innings the, year, the next year. 230 pitches in that one game, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, it was a must-win game, you know. Yeah. Mid-May true. against Minnesota. <laughs> against the Twins, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Zach Greinke did it three times. Ah. So that's, yeah, that's – and that's, he's got the the high uh, in the Dayton Moore era of 229 
and a third innings in his uh, Cy Young season of 2000. Cy Okay. Uh, nah. Jeremy Guthrie did it twice. No. 2013-2014. Uh, did not face the Philadelphia Phillies, I think. Uh, oh. <laughs> uh, okay, James Shields, of course. Big game James did oh, it twice. Oh, yeah. 2013-2014. Uh, he actually led the league in innings in 2013, which I didn't realize. 228 and two-thirds innings. Irv, Irv Santana did it once. Ah. Uh, only season. <laughs> And then Edison Valquez, remember he reached, they kind of got him in a relief appearance so he can get, oh, <laughs> yeah, so he can reach 200 right. innings in 2015. So he got Somebody had a, Yost or uh, Island, one of those guys had a prop bet with Vegas that, that, he, would, <laughs> yeah. that he would get the 200 right. and they snuck him in. They got him, on, they got him in right under the, uh, the time limit. So <laughs> Yeah, 200 point. One, 200 and a third of an inning. Oh my gosh, hold on. I want to see. Uh, wait, what year was that? Was that 2016? That was 2015. 2015. I want to see what game it was that he got that they brought him in as a relief. Oh, yeah, the very last game. That's right, against Minnesota. Okay. Man, what was the score of that game? 10 4. He came in <laughs> for two innings. Uh, what did that end up being? It was a 6 1 game. All right, whatever. I guess they. So, Cueto and Volquez. So in only three seasons have the Royals had two pitchers or more with 200 innings in a season. So that's a far cry from 1,000 innings. Yeah. Well, and so it always worked. I mean, the past few years it has been okay because, I mean, yeah, yeah. the starters not going. I mean, you've got the bullpen to lock it down. The but bullpen, I mean, yeah. The, they stumbled upon the bullpen formula, and I think the 1,000 innings got thrown out the window. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, well. Um, hey, another kind of big positive has been um, we we hope that so the big transition of the off season ish has been that the Royals have gone can kind of speed defense contact speed defense to kind of a little bit more power with Solaire and taking on Brandon Moss and then um, big big things I mean it's been Mustakas has three home runs um, Perez has four Moss had his first one today Hosmer has one there's been some power. Now, of course, they've yet to play a game at Kauffman Stadium, which is obviously a big, big deal for power. Um, but there's been a bit of power surge. Do you think it's just kind of small time, you know, small sample size, or are we uh, maybe hopefully looking at an actual more powerful team? It probably is a little small sample size, and like you say, they haven't mm-hmm. played at Kauffman Stadium yet, and we know Houston is is like they said in the telecast. It's not as much of a band box as it gets a reputation for. It's actually. I think I'm reading uh, bottom 10 the league last year in home runs hit. But it's easier to hit a home run there than Kauffman Stadium. So we'll, yeah, we'll have to see yeah. when they come home, how things go. But uh, I, I do think they'll have a little bit more power than last year and the last couple of years. Um, you know, people are getting excited because I guess there's seven guys in the lineup that have 20 home run potential. But, I mean, realistically, Alex Gordon's probably not going to hit 20 home runs. I don't know if he ever has. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, Guys like Brandon Moss are kind of, you know, he still has a lot of good power, but he's kind of on the downside of his career. Uh, you know, Eric Hosmer's only hit 20 home runs in a season once, which was last year. So a lot of those guys aren't going to hit the 20 home run plateau. And even if they do, no one's going to hit 30, I don't think. And that's kind of what you need to do these days to be in the top of the league in home runs. I mean, they're still probably going to be in the bottom five in the league in home runs, I would bet. Um, but, you know, if there's more power, that's going to lead to more runs. And, that, you know, it's not like the. It's not like this team has ever scored a ton of runs to win games, um, but it's, it's yeah. certainly nice to have a different way of winning ball games. To me, the, the problem is still uh, 
plate discipline. I mean, they just have sure. never been yeah. a team, an organization that that draws walks. We saw that, you know, in the Minnesota and the Houston series. They're not a very patient club, you know. Aside from Lorenzo Cain, has been fantastic, uh, drawing walks. You know, everyone else just kind of goes out and swings at the first good pitch they like, um, which is not, you know. And so a lot of these home runs have been solo home runs. So uh, that's still the big issue for me. But um, I'll take more power. I think uh, even if it comes at the cost of, of some contact. Um, yeah. But I, th- I mean, it's and this is one of those maybe not all or nothing, but this is a big this is a big shift as far as like yeah, I mean, they went from a team that relied upon run prevention to now trying to be run you know scoring, mm-hmm. and I mean if you're if you got a bullpen that's given up runs and you're not scoring those runs, um, I mean you're it's a it's a big bet. I mean they're putting a lot of money on the line for the power, and so it's a big question mark when you go to Coffin Stadium, one of the worst home run parks. Um, in baseball, and it's I think another interesting kind of point. Um, if you look at the past kind of few, other than the Cubs, of course, um, you know the the few World Series winners ish recently. You know the Giants and the Royals both come from parks that are really, really, really tough to hit home runs in. Um, and you know we've seen that power necessarily hasn't won uh, a World Series, and not that that's the indicator of success, but you know with the Giants winning three in those whatever five years, and then the Royals back-to-back World Series. I mean, power has not played much of a part in the World Series winner, but now, I mean, it's a big bet. I mean, that's what the Cubs' offense was a lot about. I mean, they had several guys with more than 25 home runs last year, and so it, it's kind of interesting to see them make this push, um, rely less on speed and defense, which you know, which was their key, especially at a park like Kauffman. So it'll be interesting if if Brandon Moss, if he bats. If he bats at the Mendoza line, but hits 25 home runs, is that livable? I mean, not for Lee Judge, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, it, it's yeah, it's probably. I mean, if he's still getting on base with, you know, he draws a fair number of walks. Yeah. Um, I mean, livable. I mean, he's probably gonna be barely over replacement value at that point. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, so, so like 180 or whatever Mendoza, 185, whatever Mendoza line is. 180 slash, we'll call it 340, which would be insane, by the way. Oh, yeah, that'd be crazy. Because I think his on-base was 300 yeah. last year, and yeah. he hit 225. So Oh, that's right, yeah. And then, like, 500 slugging. Yeah, yeah. it'd be, yeah. He'd be great. Yeah. He'd be one of the best players in the league by that, but that's why we don't care about it. But, but you, know, the, you know, there has been a, a home run spike around the league, and I think the Royals recognize that, which is why they had yeah. to I, yeah, I don't think they want to shift gears, but I think they felt like they had to. I mean, they just that's just the way the game is moving. But, you know, the, the other thing is that, you know, that Kaufman gets blamed for suppressing these home runs, which it does do. But I was looking at home run, home road splits today, and, like, Eric Hosmer hits about the same number of home runs on the road as he does at home. Salvador uh-huh. Perez hits about the same number of home runs on the road as he does at home. The only guy that really, really hurts is Mike Moustakas, who actually hits – about 40% of his home runs at home and 60% on the road, which suggests hmm. that, you know, he's actually probably getting robbed of a few at Kauffman Stadium. So I think that gets overplayed as an excuse. I think they just don't develop power hitters that yeah. well in this organization. Yeah. So I don't know. So let's see. So Kaufman, I've actually never looked at this before. Yeah, I mean, Kaufman's new. I mean, Kaufman is basically the exact same as far as home runs go for lefties or righties. Um, 93-93, 93-93, 93-93. I mean, the past three years, it's been 93 is the park factor mm-hmm. uh, for both lefties and righties as home runs of Kaufman. So there's been no difference. Uh, left-handers, of course, do a lot better for triples. Uh, 122 against 107. 
Um, so, and that would be I'm trying to think of. Wonder why? I wonder why that is. Because it's not like Kaufman has a weird right field or something. You know? Yeah, I don't know. It could be. Um, I guess maybe there's because there's more triples if you hit it down the line. Yeah, right? I don't know. I but, guess that's true. You'd be throwing the ball longer. Yeah. Yeah. But, I, you know, and that's mm-hmm. the other thing people don't talk about is, you know, Kaufman does suppress home runs, but overall for yeah. runs, it doesn't suppress runs because you get a lot more doubles yeah. and triples because of those deep alleys and because of the the outfield's very hot um, as far as you, yeah. know, you get, you get a, a line drive ground ball on, on the ground there and it'll go all the way to the wall. So there actually is a, a fair amount of runs scored in Kaufman Stadium. It's just not via yeah. the long ball. Yeah, and it last year it had a 103 park factor overall for offense. So, I mean, it was one of the top uh, one, two, three, four, five. It was the sixth best, well, like tied for fifth, I guess, with the Brewers as far as um, parks uh, in the league. So, I mean, it, it definitely wasn't a, a neutral. It used to be neutral, and now it's a little bit up um, for whatever particular reason. It might just be a small fluctuation, but it's at least above the 100 park factor. Um, so, it's I mean, it's, it's more than a neutral site, um, but – and a Minute Maid Park is has a lower park factor as far as an overall runs based one than Kaufman. So I mean, you could even make the argument that the Astros Park is is a worse park yeah. to hit in that. Which seems counterintuitive, but yeah. And, yeah. And, and some of that I think too is um the Astros have a very busy outfield like going on like oh, a lot going yeah. on and I know they had, they changed their hitters out uh to replace Tal's Hill. But yeah. I've heard people hitters say that Kaufman is one of the nicer stadiums to hit at because they're there's not much going on in the outfield. There's a nice hitter's yeah. eye, uh, yeah. and I think the I think the data has shown there's more walks and 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 fewer strikeouts at Kauffman Stadium. So yeah, definitely. Right. Um, and I wonder if that I wonder if the yeah I mean it's way down there for strikeouts, which maybe isn't I don't know if surprising is right, but um, yeah, it's a 96 park factor. It's the third the third lowest um, for all for strikeouts, so it's way down there. And so with Cal's Hill, did they? I forget. Did they – is it further – did they just remove the hill and start the wall at where the hill started? Or is it still the same distance? I don't I recall. I thought I heard they had brought it in a little bit because it was like 436 or something yeah, like that to center. To, yeah, like I the think they brought in a yeah. little bit, but not not a terrible amount. I'd have to look that up. I'm not sure to be honest. Okay. And I, no, no. I know we just saw yeah. three games there, but I, it didn't – it seemed it seemed in a little bit, but it still seemed pretty deep to center, right? Uh, let's see. Oh, yeah, okay. So they went from Taos Hill 436 to 409 feet. So, yeah, okay, it's so way, yeah, way it's in quite a bit. So, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, it's much more comparable. So the park will play quite differently this year. Yeah, so that's a good thing. So that that park factor was based on last year's mm-hmm. pre-Taos Hill, which might take a couple years to see what it'll end up being. Um, yeah, uh, let's see. What else uh, What else is on the, the docket? What else do you want to talk about? Well, let's talk about a little bit uh, second base because uh, that seemed ah, like yes. the, the biggest uh, issue going into the offseason season. And I think um, I don't know. Were you surprised that Raul Montesi got handed the second base job, or is that just oh, absolutely. Royals being Royals? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I joked on Twitter, and I promise I was completely joking that uh, I, I wouldn't have been surprised if he went to Double A. That's how kind of not bad, but that's just kind of how I, I don't know what the word is, but that's just how he performed last year in his small sample size uh, ish at you know the major league level, and that's what kind of doomed him a bit too. I mean. If he didn't ever get called up, um, he, you know, he might have continued to be bigger ex- expectations necessarily. You know, it, we kind of got jaded a bit by seeing a small um, couple plate appearances from him, just seeing how overwhelmed he was. So it wouldn't have surprised me for them to send him to Triple A or Double A. I mean, they weren't going to. He would have started in Triple A, but 
um, he didn't necessarily dominate double A, um, let alone, you know, really dominate triple A because he hasn't, you know, didn't even really go there for a very short time. So, yeah, I was definitely surprised. I know they love Merrifield. Uh, they they obviously hate Christian Cologne for whatever reason. And so, um, because God, God forbid that guy gets, you know, 200, 300 plate appearances consecutively. He's seems like he's always going to be a sporadic guy. So, yeah, I was definitely surprised. What about you? Uh, I was a little so. I mean, I, I, if I was asking my prediction, I thought Whit Merrifield would be the opening day second baseman, but it was. I can't say I was like super surprised because I know. Look, they like to be super aggressive promoting their top prospects. We saw Hosmer only spend a, you know like a month in AAA. Salvi yeah. spent like two weeks there. Uh, Alex Gordon skipped it altogether initially. Oh yeah, yeah. they'd be sent back down. Billy Butler didn't spend much time there, so they don't believe in AAA as a development league. Uh, that being said, you know, like he only spent what 29 games in Northwest Arkansas last year. And there, and like you said, they were pretty underwhelming and uh, not underwhelming. He did. Okay. Uh, yeah, but yeah. certainly not like eye popping numbers that you'd say, okay, that guy belongs Call in the major up. leagues, you know? Um, yeah. And I see what they, uh, you see him play and you see what they see in him. Obviously he, he can fly. I mean, he's going to have, there's going to be some play where he hits a routine ground ball and the guy, just kind of casually throws it and is going to find Montessi way past first base and is going to be surprised because he, he flies down the line and he's got pop. I mean, we saw in spring training, he can absolutely hit the ball out of the ballpark if he gets a good pitch to hit. Um, but the problem is, with through his entire career is his play discipline. And it's not just that he doesn't draw walks is he strikes out a lot, even in the minor leagues. And if you're doing that in the minor leagues and you're going up to the major leagues where they throw, you know, sliders right in the corner, ungodly, you know, breaking stuff, 100 mile per hour fastballs, you know, he's just going to be overwhelmed. And we saw that last yeah. year. And that's just not a good way to, I think, develop that as a, as a tool. Um, you know, I think they, they, I think they, they believe in a sink or swim philosophy of like, well, you're not going to get any better facing double A guys. You might, might as well face, you know, the top guys in the world. <laughs> And get better yeah. facing, you know, those guys. But um, I think, yeah, I think he needs probably some at least triple A time to um, get, a, get get at least work on finding good pitches to hit. Because he's striking out 30% of the time in his big league action last year, which is just not going to, you know, you're not going to hit for any kind of average doing that. Which, you know, if he hit for any kind of average, if he hit for 260 with his kind of power and his kind of speed and his kind of defense, that would be kind of useful, I think. But yeah. can he hit 260 at this age, at this where he is in his – development I, I don't think he can do you yeah and he and i mean two things kind of yeah i'm okay with skipping triple a uh, for the most mm-hmm. I'm, I'm okay with skipping triple a if you beat the hell out of double a which a lot uh, of those guys i mentioned did alex gordon was like my yeah. league player of the year so right yeah and so that's fine a lot of a lot of organizations skip triple a just because it's filled with guys who are you know Jeremy Guthrie's and your um, I can't Morton think of it. has been there forever. Yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, Jason, God, I can't think of his name, but he was on the Nationals. Ah, it's killing me. Uh, anyways, um, so yeah, I'm okay with skipping double A or skipping triple A on that matter. One thing though, and I don't know if it was his decision today to bunt with two outs or if it was somebody called that, but um, he was asked to bunt a lot in the minors, and that's not – yeah, bunting can be part of his game, but he obviously can't bunt, bunt three, four times a game. It's he just did not – a lot in spring training as well. He had six – Yeah. Six of his hits were like bunt singles. So Yeah, it's just – Which is a good asset. Yeah, you're right, but you're not going to develop your bat doing that, and you're not going to get you know, 30% of your hits as bunt singles in the major league level. So Yeah, uh, Jason Marquis is who I'm thinking of. <laughs> Anyways, um, 
and so I don't know. Definitely was frustrated by that. And yeah, I mean, I think he should have definitely been in AAA to start the year. And um, two six. I mean, yeah, even asking for him to hit like, because he only has hit so minimum we'll call hundred plate appearances. He has only hit two sixty one two times. Excuse me. So three times in his entire uh, you know professional career. 290, 261, 259. So I'll round that up to 260. So he barely has hit 260 in the minors. I mean, he's like a, I forget what his career minor slash line is, but it's not. 240, very 249, great. 297, 378. Okay, okay. So, yeah, I mean, it, there's been the power there, which is kind of, we, we knew that's what it'd be. Uh, wait, did you say, you said 378. Okay, yeah. never mind. I thought you said 478 for a second. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, he's had really nothing. You, you know, sub 300 OBP, sub 400 slugging, sub 700 OPS. I mean, yeah, I don't know. How long uh, do you think they stick with him before I mean if it's uh, if it's just as obvious he's getting overwhelmed? Have they Okay, so they stuck with now well, they didn't really stick with Alex Gordon, I guess. They stuck with him. Well, they did his rookie him. year. He stayed I mean, he was struggling yeah. his rookie year. Yeah. He was well under 200 going into June. And he, and, he, and he really came on after that. I mean, he, to their credit, they stuck with him, and he hit well after that. Um, did he He did he did only play under Moore, or did he play under Bear? Yeah, he came up, up under uh, Dayton Moore in 2007. Okay. Yeah. Okay, 07. I'm trying to think of when his debut was. Yeah. Okay. But he, I mean, he, uh, obviously, eventually he got demoted, I think, a couple years later. Yeah. And same with Billy Butler. Billy Butler came up and kind of struggled, and they sent him back down to, for some more seasoning. Hosmer stayed up for good. Salvi stayed up for yeah. good. And Moose came up, stayed up for good mostly, but they came, they demoted mm-hmm. him for like a week in like, what, 2013 or 14? Yeah, so I don't know. I think, obviously, depending on what he does, if he has two weeks where he looks good, where he just goes on some Babbitt driven hot streak, I think he is going to be up for the rest of the season just because Ned loves that. Mm-hmm. But. If he's doing what he's doing now, I think I think May. I, I think they're going to give him till May. Merrifield, I think, had his second home run of the year tonight, uh, Sunday night. Mm-hmm. Um, and if he continues to hit well, I think they're going to be they're going to understand it. Of course, it also depends on what the Royals' record is. I mean, if for some reason in May there are already ten games, fifteen games below five hundred somehow, then I think they'll just stick with Mondesi. Um, but yeah, I'm going to say May. I, I'll, I'll say May. May 18th is going to be Montessi's last game. He'll get sent down May 18th. See, I think they actually like – they see him as an asset to win games. Okay. And, and because this is such an important year to win games, like that's why he's on the team because they feel like his speed is a game changer and his defense can be a game changer. Of course, he, he's, he's struggled a little bit defensively yeah, so far. he's which, not looked good at second. No, yeah. he's had some kind of mental errors, uh, kind of weird – that weird – ball hit yesterday where he kind of just fell down um yeah so yeah he, I, if he continues to struggle defensively maybe i could see him getting sent down but um i don't know i think he's gonna stick i don't i don't even if he struggles and they'll just say well you know he's here for a speed and defense we hope his bat you know turns it around and and then he'll get like two bunt singles in a week and they'll they'll be hey look his batting average <laughs> is almost 200 now and yeah so, I, I don't know it's he's I, I just worry about his long-term development too. Like, how does that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hurt his development. Certainly. So, especially if they're asking him to bunt, and it's just like I say. I mean, the best way to learn how to swim isn't just being thrown in the. Or, I mean, it's hard for him to learn how to hit when he's just so insanely overwhelmed and trying to get his head above water. Right. 
it, they are literally just throwing him way, way in the deep end with sharks, with uh, BP oil spills, with all the sorts of <laughs> water-based disasters you can think of. He's in there trying to just trying to learn how to even keep his head up, not even swim. We're just asking for him to have a have a ninety WRC plus, have an eighty WRC plus. I mean, that's even reasonable. Yeah. Like you know, It'd probably good for, for his confidence just to go down a level and you know sure. be a stud if he can, yeah. and and yeah, you know, instead and of being not, a I mean, one fifty hitter. All right, and he's been. I mean, he's actually. He's. I don't know what he'll be. Well, one, he's got to get on base, but he's already been worth uh, a half a run base running wise so far. Yeah. I mean, he's at point six in a whopping five games. I mean, he's a tremendous base runner, um, but you can't steal first. Right. I mean, that's that's the same. So I mean, yeah, I don't know. He's at a thirty-six percent strikeout rate, almost thirty-seven. It's. I don't know. I'm with you. I think I do agree that, you know, they, they really like what he does and they rostered Terrence Gore and Gerald Dyson. I mean, they love a guy who can who can run and who can play defense and they don't care about it. And they you know, they have Escobar who clearly can't hit, but he's gonna play hundred and sixty two games a year. So I don't know. That's a good one. So um would you be so would you be more surprised if he gets six hundred plate appearances this year or a hundred plate appearances this year? Uh, probably six hundred, just because I don't. He is gonna hit ninth, and he's gonna okay. he's gonna sit some games, and uh, yeah, he probably won't get that many plate appearances. Okay. But but a hundred would surprise you absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, it. I guess it, that'd be more likely to happen because I could see that him getting demoted before than oh, getting that many yeah, plate appearances. So, okay. so I think hundred is more likely than six hundred. But if uh-huh. I had to, you know, if I had to put the over under, I'd probably say he gets probably three hundred eighty plate appearances this year, maybe four hundred. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, another thing we did uh, just back in uh, the turn of the calendar of March, uh, right on to April 1st there, we did our predictions, our preseason predictions, which is, by the way, one of the things I really absolutely love doing um, just because it's it's fun to talk about and think about and get everybody staying. And I think for the most part, a lot of us are on the same page for like like the Royals-based ones. I think we're spread across for like a lot of the more league-wide stuff, but Everybody absolutely picked Danny Duffy to be the Royals pitcher war leader, which makes sense. It's hard to pick anybody else. But we had a, a nice little split, actually. Some people like Kane for the Royals position player uh, war leader. Some people like Gordon and some people like uh, Moustakis. Max, you had Moustakis. Tell me why you picked him. You and uh, Dugan and Hoykus, Jeremy. Uh, yeah, and I can see Kane getting it. I, th- I think I just leaned Moustakis. Number one, Moustakis, I think. Probably has a better chance of, uh, of playing more games than Kane, oh, just because yeah, sure. of Kane's history injury, and that seems weird to say with Mustakas coming off a knee injury. But I think we all feel pretty comfortable saying that his knee looks okay going forward, and that unless he has some sort of collision, he's going to be okay. So I think num- number one, he'll stay on the field. Number two, uh, he just looks like a totally different hitter the last two years. I mean, um, I prorated his numbers over like 2015 and 16, and he's like a 25. Home run hitter with you know 270, 330, like 480 slug, um, which is fantastic with his defense. So yeah. um, you know if he's healthy on the field, if he, and I, I think he's he's legit, um, I think he's I think he has a good chance to be the Royals' best hitter this year, yeah. um, which would be pretty huge for him. I think it's I think people you know we're not talking enough about what he's going to cost the Royals in terms of, of a long term contract um, if they want to retain him, and I think it's probably going to be pricier than people think because. I can oh, yeah. see him having a big year, and people, and you know, the stats teams and the scout teams both know he he plays really good defense. Um, whereas you know Hosmer, there's a little more 
uh, debate. Uh, so I think, and, and he plays a position that I think is 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 pretty. It's, we're in a nice age for third baseman. There's a lot of good third basemen around the league, but you know, there's also a lot of teams that don't have that Manny Machado or Adrian Beltre. So I, they may feel like they need to go get a guy like that. And so I think Mustakas could get yeah. a pretty good contract out of that. So yeah, I think he's going to be the best player yeah. for the Royals this year. But uh, you I can see him beating. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, you pick Kane. So why don't you why don't you, why don't you descend? Why don't you be the Shannon Sharp to my Skip Bayless? <laughs> um, so I was gonna say I could see Mustakas beating the Headley deal for fifty two million. Yeah, yeah. And Headley kind of had that same reputation. Good, not great hitter. Really good defender. That and that's worked out fine for the Yankees. I mean, he's been uh, two and a half plus one and a half. So I mean, he's almost. Plus some little change. I mean, he's almost been a five-win player the past few years, and he's started off well this year. So, and he was 31 when he signed his deal. Uh, I think Moose is 28. Yeah, or so. he's, he's going to be a lot younger. And Justin Turner, who I, oh, thought, yeah. I thought Justin Turner got less than I thought he would. He, well, I think he signed for like four and 60 million, and but he's like 32. So yeah, you figure with yeah. Moose's age, he could get a five-year deal worth you know about the same average yeah. annual value and and um, that'd be a pretty yeah. hefty contract i think and uh, yeah turner's turner's been a little better hitter but i mean turner isn't uh, moose is a really good defender i, I think i'm with you mm. um and and moose has been the royals f war leader fangraphs war leader so far this year um i picked kane solely because i think kane so so I kind of regret doing it because, yeah, you're right. He's probably not going to play as many games as everybody else. Um, but I still think defensively, because he's going to play center, I think he's. I think there's a baseline with Kane of mm-hmm. him being at least worth one and a half, two wins defensively. And if he's back to his old, I don't know, 110, 115 WRC plus kind of days, then yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a four-ish, five-win player. Um, and so that's kind of what I'm banking on. Uh, offense coming back, him rebounding a bit. And, and it's really weird because I'm looking at his last year's line. Uh, WRC Plus is always – it's always – you kind of always have to kind of calculate it in your own head, at least I do. He hit 287, 339, 408. That sounds really good, right? I, I think that sounds like a pretty good line, 287, 339, 408. I mean that's solid. That was only a 98 WRC plus. It was actually two percent lower than league average. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. I think I would love to have 287, 339, 408 from Kane this year. Maybe a little more power, um, but that's still we'll call it an average hitter. So I mean, yeah, I just think the baseline for Kane is is pretty good. Um, well, I do think that the power for him really fell off in the second half too. Oh yeah, the wrist problem. So I think yeah, yeah. that's probably a little below what he could probably expect from him. And we've already seen him. You know, he's he looks a lot more patient at the plate. The defense. I mean, I guess it's one play, but one ma- amazing play already. The defense looks like it's still there. Yeah. So yeah, yeah I I, yeah. I think Kane's a very defensible defensible pick. Okay, Max. So you and I, I like to think we see eye to eye on some things and some things not. We were spot on together for the win loss record. We both went seventy eight and eighty four. Which was the uh, oh I guess we weren't low. T- Timothy Weber was seventy six wins, but we yes. were aside from Timothy, we were the two low, low men on the totem yep. pole. I guess. What's your thought on seventy eight and eighty four? So, I mean, I can I can squint and see this team making the postseason. I mean, like if everything goes right, they could they have the guys that have been there before. I think their starting pitching is better than it was last year, and maybe even is better than two thousand fifteen. 
the problem is the bullpen is just so much worse. And it, I yeah. don't think it's as bad as it's been the first week. And I, I'm not saying that because they blew a bunch of games this week. I, I was actually saying this a couple weeks ago. I just don't think the bullpen, you know, look, the, their formula before required a well-oiled machine. You needed a yeah. defense that was by far the best in the league. You needed a bullpen that was by far the best in the league. You needed a high-contact approach that was by far the best in the league. Yeah. They don't have those things. And the defense is still pretty good. I think defense is still top three in the league. The contact is down significantly. And then the bullpen, I think, is just it's not as good as it used to be. So you need, you really need all three of those things for them to be successful. And if you don't have those three things, you need to find a different way to win. Maybe they think you know better starting pitching, more home runs will be that formula. I don't see them making up that gap. Um, so I think it's this is probably the end of the line with at least this core group of guys, and I think that's going to be a losing season. I don't, by the way, I don't think even with a 78 win season, they're going to do a fire sale. I think you're going to see Dayton Moore try to try to hold on to these guys as much as he can. But uh, I'm not, I'm not, I guess I'm not super optimistic. But um, you know, like I said, I, I I've seen this team exceed expectations before. Certainly, they don't care about my projections, and they, you know, they'll go out and and do what they have to do. But um, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not. Last year I was pretty optimistic. This year I just I don't I don't think I'm there. Yeah, they someone told you Santa Claus isn't real and they kind of bumped you out. Right. <laughs> um, I I'm the same. I, you spot on. I think I agree with everything you said. Um, yeah, I just feel like the 14, 15 teams kind of buck showaltered their way. You know, kind of played a buck, squeezed every little excess win they could out of their skill set. Um, and so, and I think the 2016 team was more aligned with their talent level necessarily um, than the prior two years teams. And it's it's actually even the 15 team. It's a much different team this year than even the 15 team um, for the most part. I mean, there's still some guys around, but isn't like uh, I'm trying to do quickly. Everybody from that 15 team in the rotation, Marcus was well, Marcus was there, right? He was on the 15 team. Yeah, Yeah. Um, I'm yeah, trying to think was, of the rotation. but he missed the end of the year because he got yeah, hurt. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. He had, so but the bullpen is almost completely different, right? Yeah. Like it's pretty much Herrera is the only holdover from that bullpen. Yeah, let's see. Holland's gone. Davis is gone. Ryan Madsen's gone. Yeah. Franklin Morales is gone. Luke Hochaver's yep. gone. That's a completely yep. different, completely different bullpen. Yep. So Chris uh, Young. Chris Young was in the. I guess he was kind of in the bullpen that year, but he's yeah. Not certainly not a guy you're counting on yep. this year. And, and then yeah, Volquez gone. Uh, yeah, so, uh, Kendrick Morales is gone. Ryan Madsen is gone. I mean, it's a really different team. Um, so the, the, the entire pitching staff is pretty much different, except for Duffy, Young, Herrera, and Guthrie and Vargas. Those yep. are pretty much only four components still yeah. there. Yeah, and two of those guys are relievers basically yeah. now. Um, and then. Yeah, and and then of course you had Ben Zobris and Johnny Cueto helping out for the last you know two three months. So I mean, yeah, uh, different team. So I think I'm with you. I think 78 and 84 makes sense a little bit more. Of course, uh, Jeremy, God bless his heart. Jeremy and Frank uh, or Sterling Rice, those two guys, I-, I love them. God bless their hearts. They're they're at 87 wins, which actually, which is kind of strange that 87 wins, which really isn't even that many wins necessarily it's probably not that's the postseason. Like, right that's like fringe wild card like that's the high shot yeah. as far as the predictions go so that's kind of maybe telling about maybe the general sentiment and we're not, and, we're and, not like the outliers either like i went i surveyed like a bunch of these 
predict, uh, preseason predictions. I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. 139 baseball pundits, you know, top, you know, Sports Illustrated, Fangraphs, yeah. you know, all these publications. Not a single one picked the Royals to win the division. So it's not like yeah. we're like, yeah. if anything, we're optimistic because we're like we're fanboys. But um, <laughs> uh, you know, and a couple of them picked the Royals in the postseason as wild card. But I don't think anyone has high expectations. Mm-hmm. The, the the projections all have have us what low 70s. Yeah, as far yeah. as win totals, so. And I wonder if that's a product of last year. I mean, if the team wins, rather than win 81 games, let's just say they win 85 games last year. Does that change? That boosts everybody up. I mean, that changes everybody's opinion, I think, for the most part. I think there's people who could add five wins from that and be like, okay, this might be a 90-win team. But, you know, especially given 14 and 15. Um, So it's kind of interesting to see how much a lot of last year was kind of swept away ish because of injuries mm-hmm. um but uh, i mean still people are so even though everybody let's just could say consider everybody's healthy which usually you usually do when you make these predictions um there's i mean the sentiment is still down you know so it's kind of interesting that last year played a bit of a part of it as well but i don't know huh um well i think we've done so, a good job like kind of refuting that excuse of injuries because look look yeah. look at the cleveland indians look at all their injuries last year they lost their entire outfit i mean and yeah. they lost like two-fifths of their rotation they were oh starting yes like, yeah. You know, yeah yeah they're starting guys up from the minors in the playoffs and they went <laughs> they won right. the pen they were one win away from winning the whole thing so yeah you know yeah. It, the, I mean, I, and the royals are a little different because you know they have good talent but then they have paper thin depth so yeah, yeah you know they're a little different formula but you know this is a team yeah like you say everyone expects their team to be healthy at the beginning of the year the the, you know, the truth is the Royals are going to have one or two key injuries this year. Can they, yeah. can they get past that? Is that do they have guys in AAA to come up and and help out and, and paper over that? I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, the depth is, was an issue last year too. Um, everybody had the Indians winning. Kind of no surprise there. Um, and I think I had the Tigers. I had Indians, Tigers, Royals, Twins, White Sox. You and I met eye to eye on that one as well. Um, and I think the Twins will be pretty close to the Royals. I I think they're a much yeah. improved team. And I'm not just saying that because of last week, but I yeah, think no, they kind of remind me of the Rays back when they were terrible and then they got good all of a sudden. Is like all they needed was just kind of a couple guys and their pitching staff becoming solid. And yeah. I think if the Twins can find a couple guys like that, they'll be not good, but they can be a lot better. I think because their yeah. offense is pretty legit. Yeah, um, and they've got guys like I mean they've got. They have several guys who are at least two or better win players with Buxton. Buxton, I think, defense-wise at least. Uh, Sano, Dozier, Kepler. I mean, those guys alone are probably going to be worth two wins. Dozier more than that. But, I mean, a baseline of two wins, I think, for all those guys. So, I mean, they've got they've got a – they don't have really any stars. They've got some scrubs. But they've got some scrubs mixed with some kind of midline people too. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that um, – and I think let me just see. Yeah, everybody had the Cubs winning. Everybody uh, Mets Nationals for the NL East. The National League seems really predictable, does it not? Like yeah. everyone pretty no, much it's... picked the same. It was either Mets Nationals in the East, Cubs in the Central, and then Dodgers in the West, and then we all pretty much had the same wild card. I don't know. It seems like the National League's I wouldn't say boring, just because the Cubs are no. a fun team to watch. Nationals are yeah. fun to watch, but yeah, there's not a lot of. It seems like there's a lot of bad teams in the National League. I think that's why it's very predictable because oh, yeah. like. The Reds are tanking. The Brewers are pretty much tanking. The Padres, Padres yeah. are uber tanking. The Phillies, Braves are Braves. starting to come back a little bit now. The Phillies are starting yeah. to come back a little bit. Marlins, I think, are trying to win, but I don't. I don't think yeah. the team's that great. Um, so there's a lot of bad teams there. 
Yeah. Um, Diamondbacks have a big hole to climb out of with yeah. the Dave Stewart administration. Uh, so I, I don't know. There's yeah, the Dod- the National League seemed pretty easy to me. Yeah, let's see. Uh, uh, MVP man, we a couple guys were on the Correa tree. How I just don't know, man. I can't ever pick anybody than Mike Trout. I mean, it's so boring, but man, he's just so good. Well, Trout is probably the correct answer. It's like. Who will the baseball yeah. writers actually vote, though? You know, it's like yeah. Jordan should win MVP every year, but we're going to give it to Carl Malone this time because <laughs> we want to give it to someone different. It's boring if Jordan. Yeah, yeah. Every year. okay. I'm so with I you. think Trout will be the probably the war leader at the end of the year, but they'll he, look. He has a I'm bad team around him. They're not going to make the playoffs. They're not going to have a winning record, I don't think. Yeah. So they're not yeah. going to give him the MVP. They're going to give it to some team that has a nice narrative. Oh, look at these Astros. They're finally they have finally all grown up and they they're going to win a hundred games and take the American League by storm, so let's give it to Carlos Correa. Or, hey, Francisco like, Lindor finally yeah. is going to take the Indians to the championship. So it'll Yeah, be I like the Lindor there. one. Yeah, or even Betts one. Okay. Yeah, Betts yeah, playing for Boston, I think, is going to help him a lot. So Trout, Trout's going to have to contend himself with it, just being another war leader that doesn't win a yeah. uh, MVP. He is, yet, he is yet to finish worse than second place in MVP voting in his career, which is nuts. How And he's played for four seasons, I think, four It's crazy how good. I just like, we take it for granted, too. Like, yep. I, I forgot. I didn't even realize what a great stolen base guy he is. Like, he, what, led the league his first year? Yeah. Yep. That's crazy. I don't, like, you think of him as just, like, this big hulking slugger that just uh, yeah. clobbers baseballs, but he's stolen 143 bases in five seasons. That's yep. crazy. What, what's nuts about him, which is what I love, is that it's almost okay? I really think Mike Trout reads fan graphs because this is what fan graphs does. They love Mike Trout. They go, okay, here's something Mike Trout is not good at. Like he couldn't hit high fastballs yeah. or up in the zone. Guess what? All of a sudden he can hit high fastballs. <laughs> Last year they wrote, he's not stealing bases anymore. Or two years ago he goes, they're not stealing bases anymore. Last year he steals 30 bases. <laughs> yeah. He is, just, oh my God, it's just nuts. Well, they need to write an article that says he has fewer postseason hits than Christian Cole. Yeah. <laughs> There you go. Now, yeah, but that might be out of control. Twenty yeah, fifth uh, yeah. overall. Interesting, man. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Let's see. Uh, everybody kind of split on the Cy Young. I think that's. Uh, I think that's really hard to predict because who the hell knows? Yeah, pitches so hard. Uh, yeah, I just yeah. went with Stroman just because I've been a big fan of his yeah. ever since he was drafted. Uh, I I, re- I love guys with big curveballs and yeah. Uh, I like I like short pitchers too. Not that he's yeah. that short, uh, but <laughs> and I. I had to crack up at the tweet of his dad at the World Baseball. Oh, how huge is that dude? Is jacked. Yeah. <laughs> oh I know. God. It's so weird how different they are. Yeah, but anyway, he seems like a pretty cool dude, and I don't like. I like. I don't like the Blue Jays, but I kind of like cheering for him. So, I was more probably wishful thinking than anything. Because, yeah. but I, I like. Uh, I like Matt and Jeremy picking Jan Mankata for, or I guess and Dugan did too. And uh, we'll see if he goes it up in through. AAA. Yeah, all right. He'll be, he'll be up for too long. Oh, yeah, we'll see. And Ben Attendee was – then you liked Aaron Judge. God, he's such a hulk of a person. Yeah, and I uh, just picked him just because – look, it's probably going to be Ben Attendee, but I, yeah. I didn't want to be a little contrarian. Go something off the board. Yeah. Everybody picked Swanson, which is pretty interesting. Um, maybe not interesting. I don't, but who's, I don't who, else know. Is even a, who else is even a strong contender? That's what I'm thinking. I can't think of who else. Yeah, would it be. seems like Swanson's kind of a – Yeah, some, Cody Bellinger. Some random like, Cardinals – Minor leaguer that wasn't on any yeah. prospect list ends up winning twenty games this year. Yeah, uh, Ahmad Rosario. I'm trying to get NL guys who are like top prospects. Yeah, there's not that much. And Bellinger and Rosario. Rosario wasn't even above Double A, I don't think yet last year. And then Bellinger is getting Triple A. So yeah, okay. Um, let's see. 
All right, and then let me just see World Series. Uh, Stroh's over Nationals. Man, I, I like both those picks. I always try to go a little different. I, uh, Cubs were such an easy one to pick. Um, I went with Red Sox over Dodgers just because I think the Dodgers finally get that monkey off their back and they make the World Series. But you've got the Astros. What uh, you, you like them beating Cleveland and uh, – beating uh whoever comes from the AL East that you know they're all going to beat up each other what picked you with the Strohs well I just think they've had a lot of I think they've had a tremendous amount of talent the last couple of years I've actually been picking them I think every every year the last three years and they just they just keep kind of yeah fading yeah. down the stretch I think but I think this is the year they do it I think they just they seem like they have really good depth to me um uh even with some of the injuries like Colin McHugh's out for the next six weeks uh but I think they've got kind of the the studs to get past that um the bullpen's a little bit of a concern but i mean everyone's got some bullpen issues so far so and they've got they've got the resources i think that in july yeah. they can be players oh yeah i mean they quintana. can they're, they're in, still in play for jose quintana yeah. for the white Sox, so that could be a big game changer for them so i i i like teams with young talent like that that are you know they and then they're kind of fit that narrative like the royals did of like the team that kind of they got to the postseason, but they had a crushing defeat, and then oh, they, yeah. and then they didn't make it, and then you know this will be the year they finally learn from that and go all the way. So I I think you and they've never won it before. They, you know that Houston's been in the league oh, yeah. since 1961. They've never uh, won a World Series. So I think this is the year. But uh, you have you have Red Sox over Dodgers. Are you at all concerned about the pitching injuries? Yeah, that's a good one. And I was going to say with the Astros uh, being able to roll out Chris Davinsky for four innings oh, yeah. at a time is just nuts. I mean, that guy should be, that probably be at least talked about a little bit for Cy Young, right? Yeah. I mean, that's kind of a – I like that kind of like fireman role where a guy throws yeah. 100 innings out of the bullpen. I, I, I love yeah. guys like that. If Andrew Miller won Cy Young, I can totally agree with that just because of how good he is. I mean, mm-hmm. you can make the case that um, it, it's hard to find a reliever that way, but, I mean, if Miller can put up – he was worth three wins last year, and I think Francona is going to be a little more aggressive this year um, – it, the Yankees aren't aggressive like that, but Francona would be. Yeah. So now a full year with the Yankee, the Indians. I mean, he could get to 100 innings as a reliever, as that kind of fireman yeah. reliever. Yeah. Um, so I like the Red Sox just overall. They have a awesome offense, pitching wise. I'm and their bullpen's nuts as well. Um, yeah, the pitching thing is interesting, and they could be in complete. It'd be really insane to see them get sale. And then in you know July they go pick up Quintana as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, David Price being hurt is interesting, of course. Uh, I'm trying to think. And then Pomeranz, you know, they gave up Anderson Espinosa for Pomeranz, which is a little out there. Yeah, I don't think that Pomeranz. trade's looking really that great right now. <laughs> no, not at all. And I kind of question at the time, yeah. but of course Espinosa was in low A, so it's kind of hard to, um, you know, if you can pick up a couple MLB wins, if you can get two three wins from. Pomeranz and that kind of pays easily for him. So mm-hmm. I just like the Red Sox. Um, I think that depth-wise, I mean, they're projected to be one of the best teams in the league. Um, they're I'm trying to think of what the rotation with. Yeah, so Sale, Porcello. I actually like Eduardo Rodriguez. They have David Price. I mean, having Sale and Price, if both of those guys are healthy, that's that's two of the top five-ish, mm-hmm. maybe ten, whatever, however you want to call it, pitchers in the league. I mean. Who else has that other than – I mean, the Dodgers have Clayton Kershaw, who's basically one and two best pitchers in the league. He's, he's the equivalent of having two great pitchers. Um, but, I mean, yeah, I just like him overall. And 
Uh, of course, they've got a pretty good farm system that they can call guys up from. They've got Ben Attendee. They've got uh, Bradley Jr. They've got Mookie Betts who could be an MVP. They've still got somehow Dustin Pedroia still doing well. The only kind of weak spot overall for them is probably going to be catcher in first base. And, I, well, third base, I guess, with Sandoval. But he's actually – I think he's done just okay so far. He's in the best the year, shape of his life. Yeah. Uh, uh, and so, I don't know. I, I like him. So, there would be my pick. And then I think the Dodgers do it just because – I don't know. They have Clayton Kershaw. In the playoffs, that's literally all you need is Clayton Kershaw, really. I know they haven't been able to get over the hump, but it's not Kershaw's fault. He's – I would take him – Isn't there a narrative yeah. – isn't, isn't there like a mainstream sports writer narrative that he can't win in the postseason, though? Yep. Yeah, and him – I'm, I'm going to look this up real quick because uh, – yeah, that is the thing is that he can't win. And it's not like he's – there's no reason why all of a sudden he should not be good in the playoffs. It, it's not a real thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see – he has, yeah. I mean, he's got a four-five ERA in the playoffs, but I think some I mean, of that though is like he got early in his career, he got rocked by like the Cardinals in like one start. Yeah, he had eight runs against the Cardinals in the NLDS, but really, let me just look at the past. So just last year in the postseason, uh, what was your ERA? I don't know where the heck it is. Okay, um, I don't know. You can do the quick math, but he gave up. I don't know why it's doing that i don't know anyways oh uh 12 earned runs and 24 innings so not great but uh 253 batting average 275 OBP, 3.36 lucky so he's good i i, I just don't buy oh 4.44 era is what that is so i don't know yeah but they've yeah. already got rich hill on the deal i mean he can't pitch yeah. every single game in the postseason and uh yeah, yeah. the cubs have yeah. a pretty good pitching staff as well and... yeah 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 i'm with you there but i think the dodgers have urias and they don't have daily on anymore, but they've got Brandon McCarthy. They've got so many guys they can call up. Then uh, Ryu, Maeda. I mean, it just doesn't stop for them um, pitching wise. So and then they got Bellinger, who could you know play outfield and first base. And they've got and Corey just, Seager. Uh, I mean, that can we kind yeah. of forget how good he is already at a right. young age. Right, Seager could be an MVP candidate. Right. Uh, and I mean, he got MVP post last year. So yeah, uh, I don't know. It'll be Cubs or Dodgers. It's kind of boring. It kind of do you think it's good for baseball to have a team as good as the Cubs, or would you rather not have someone have a little more parity? I think it's good to have them a good team as long as it's not they're like good for like a decade. Like, yeah, I think it's good to have really great teams for like a couple years. Um, but I think it gets boring to have a Yankees dynasty. Um, so yeah, I think we'll all get tired of the Cubs if they're in October winning all the time. And I I pick the Nationals. Pretty much the only reason I picked the Nationals is because I was like, well, the Cubs can't win it again, can they? Because <laughs> I think the Cubs are the best team in the National League. Uh, I think they're just loaded with talent. I like the kind of the way they've built that team. Um, yeah. And so I think they'll probably be the best. I do have my doubts about Wade Davis going from, yeah, you know, yeah. uh, going from Chapman to Davis. And I think he's kind of damaged goods, and they may have to make another trade in July to get another elite reliever. But um, I think they're the best team. But I don't know. I I wanted to pick up someone a little different. I think Nats are really good too. I'm a big yeah. big fan of Trey Turner. Big fan of Bryce Harper. Like Max Scherzer a lot. Um, so I, you know, I wasn't super thrilled with their off season, but um, I, I think they have a really good team. And you know, October you just need to get hot. And they've got. They should trade for uh, best closer in baseball, Greg Holland. Apparently. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, a lot of fans are pretty upset the Royals didn't make more of a move on him. Um, but uh, I don't know. Like I wasn't, 
I didn't. I wasn't really optimistic that he'd be that good. No, I wasn't year. either. I thought maybe, yeah, because you know, I think a lot of fans get nostalgic and like, oh, he was really good with us a couple years ago. Of course, he'll be really good. And of course, you know, we know that when guys come off Tommy John surgery, they're not really the same pitcher. Yeah. Um, but Holland's he's off to a good start. Nuts. I you know we'll see. Yeah. You know, he's got to go more than a week. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I got him. I got him for basically free in one of my fantasy. I did too. I picked him up on the wire. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I needed a closer. I was like done with closers. Yeah. I'm like, well, I think Holland might get save opportunities in Colorado. Sure. So. Yeah, I was literally expecting nothing out of him, and he's gotten four. Yeah. He's carrying in, my team right now. <laughs> in six days yeah. or seven days. Yeah, I mean, anyway. So yeah, um, and what was you wrote about X Royals? So there's Holland has done pretty dang well. Uh, who else? Dyson and Davis. What were they been doing? Well, I, yeah, Dyson. Dyson had the game-winning hit for Seattle uh, on Thursday night. Saturday night after the Royals game, I flipped on the Mariners game and I saw him make a nice running catch in. And then, ah. of course, the guy on first base didn't expect Dyson to catch it, and no one thinks Dyson has a very good arm. And of course, he nailed the guy at first base <laughs> for a double play. So I was like, getting a little. Uh, you know, yeah. like longing after an ex-girlfriend. <laughs> it's like, oh, why, uh, why aren't you doing that for us? So I miss him a little bit. Yeah, he had a good week. And Kendris Morales had a monster grand slam for the uh, the Blue Jays this week. Oh, yeah, that's right. Morales, so, okay. Uh, he's off yeah. to I, – I haven't seen – I haven't looked at their overall numbers. But um, uh, I think Kendris Morales is off to a pretty good start for them. But st- I still don't think that was a very good deal. But, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm with you. I wouldn't have done that. Yeah. Three, see, three, well, three, yeah, he's yeah. only hitting a buck ninety. I guess that was his only big hit. But um, – yeah. So we'll have to see with him. He's 34 years old. So Yeah, 104 WRC plus for Morales, but, I mean, it's all on slugging. I mean, it's sub-3 OBP, yeah. 208 batting average. He's basically including that grand slam, no. and that's it. That's all he's done for them. Yeah, so. yeah. and then Dyson has already been worth negative uh, 0.2 wins. So, I don't know. Dyson hasn't hit either. But, again, we're talking Early, yeah. 24 plate appearances. It is interesting in Seattle, though. Like They're kind of building what I guess they're calling like an elite defensive yeah. outfield with him right. him and left Leonis Martin and yep. center and Mitch Hannigan right which could be it'll be interesting to see if they can like match the Royals numbers from a couple years ago but yeah and that's uh, uh yeah guy I think I would be I know we have the uh Grass Creek battle but I I like the Mariners there's a team that I root for that's yeah. not the I like the Mariners I'm, I'm going to Safeco Field for the first time this July and I'm pretty excited about it because it's it's a beautiful ballpark on TV oh. And uh, Seattle is kind of like the number one on my list of cities I've never been to that I wanted to visit. But yeah, you know they they've got the longest playoff drought in baseball at this point since uh, oh okay since two thousand Ichiro's first year two thousand one I think was, was the first one? time they yeah. made it um, when they yeah. had a one hundred sixteen win season. Yeah, and they haven't I mean, made it since. Well, yeah, that's nuts. Yeah, so. um, are you going to? Is that the only one you're going to for the West Coast, just Seattle? Uh, so I was looking at that. You know that Royals destination thing where uh, Ryan Landreth, one of our writers, did it last year. He, I, mean, I think he went to Boston, and he said it was a blast, uh, very uh, well worth the pack, the, the price. Oh, let me see. Yeah. So like basically the Royals, it's like you get – they set you up in – well, you can do the hotel package or the non-hotel package, and you stay in a hotel in the visiting city. You get tickets to two games, I think, oh. um, and then the, you get a bunch of VIP stuff where you get to – get a tour of the stadium you get to vi- you have to meet some of the royals players i think you get like maybe a tour of the city with that as well um and then you get some swag to take home so it's a pretty cool deal and anyway i was looking at it today and uh it's i think this year it's in san francisco los angeles yeah. and boston because the royals play the dodgers and the giants and the boston one i couldn't do and the i think the la one i couldn't do but the san francisco one 
was on my birthday. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> and I've been to San Francisco's ballpark before, and it's beautiful. And it was, and I'd really like to go back, and I'd like to take my son. So I was looking at it today, and I may have to talk to my wife into it because it's it's not cheap, but it's not it's yeah. not crazy expensive. So so we are going so uh, the spouse i guess at this point um she and i are going to my best friend lives in la Mm -hmm. and so we're gonna go to either the giants game one of the best parks on earth is Mm -hmm. att park from what i've heard yes um we're going to that or we're going to go to the padres game or go to the dodgers game and so that's interesting but man the giants won uh it's like for no hotel 700 bucks for Mm -hmm. Two tickets, so let's see. Two tickets, Royals vs Giants games. So you get both games, one for each guest. Yeah. So I get the seven hundred dollars total for not per person. I think it's um, first class hotels, VIP events, which is tour meet and greet, uh, VIP tour of AT and T Park, a private pregame meet and greet and reception with Royals players. Okay, that's interesting. Get an autograph. And they were photo. pretty nice seats, if I remember from Ryan Landreth okay. posting. Yeah. So, yeah. so I don't know. It's just kind yeah. of intriguing. But okay, you should, if you're on the West Coast, you should try to do that. Uh, try to do as many ballparks. Just drive up the coast and yeah. I don't know. I don't know if you saw that Slate.com. Try to do thirty days, thirty ballparks in thirty days, which is ridiculous. You couldn't. There's no way you could do it. But you know, you could at least try to hit. You know, start in San Diego, hit up to Anaheim, see if the Dodgers are playing the next day. Yeah, because they go. They go from. They go from San Diego to San Francisco to L.A., I think, uh, the Angels, and mm-hmm. then I think they go to the Do- – I mean, they're all right there. I don't think we can go for all that, but, no, I'm I'm with you as far as – man, and I bet you that's going to be really great too, uh, that Seattle one. Just anything on the West Coast sounds really great. Yeah, and there's, there's some nice ball- – San Diego's got a really cool-looking ballpark. I'd, I'd like to visit that one as well. And, of course, Dodger Stadium is, like, you know, historic at this point and, and gorgeous and – you got that great weather, so yeah, that'd be fun to go to any of those any of those stadiums. So if you started at Kaufman, uh, I want to just give me a start date. So April twelfth. Oh, they have like a calculator. Are you doing the okay. slate.com? Yeah. <laughs> calculator. So if we started, yeah, we some started of the Monday, so I did it, and some of the some of the calculations are crazy. Like you'd have to drive from like Chicago to Seattle in one day. It's like, yeah, yeah that's not happening. <laughs> yeah. So KC, then Chicago. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. So you'd have to go to KC to Chicago. To Oakland, how can you go? <laughs> you know, the one drive day. from Chicago to yeah. Oakland. So you've got a one twenty game, uh, one o'clock afternoon game in Chicago. Then you need to be in Oakland by seven o'clock the next day. What is that? Like Sixteen hundred miles. Yep. And then to, okay, and then you've got to go from Houston. So in the span of two days, you go from San Francisco to Houston to Atlanta to New York. Ah, <laughs> yeah, it seems to. God bless anybody who wants to do that, right. but that's uh, yeah, that's a little nuts. Okay. Um. All right. Well, what else do you think? Anything else we want to cover? Anything uh, else you need no, to know? Opening days tomorrow. Home opener. Uh, yep. I'm going. I, I guess you're not. You're just gonna be watching no, TV. Not. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yep, yep. you gonna. Are you planning on going to any games this week? Uh. You know. Okay. This is such a. I promise. I'm a really good Royals fan. I think I went to two games last year. I worked there for two years, so I went. You know, I was there for 81 straight games, or you know, whatever you want to call it, for for 162 games in a span of two years. So I was there anytime they had a home game. I was there for the season. So I've seen so many Tuesday night against the Twins games. <laughs> you know, that, like it just. 
I, I playoff games I'll absolutely be at, um, but unless it's like a big big game or something, uh, like maybe a prospect debuted or like you know Bryce Harper's in town or Kershaw, you know something that's like okay that would be great something I can't see often then I'll go. But I don't know I, I'm busy with school and work and I just kind of like uh, watching the game from my TV. I can tweet and GIF and do all sorts of stuff. So, what, did, yeah. what did you do at the stadium? Uh, two things. I, I, I thought I guess people might not know this. Um, so I started off as I was on K Crew. I shot the hot dog gun. Really? I didn't. I yeah, had yeah, no idea was, about this. Yeah, yeah. I was wow. on K Crew. Uh, two thousand seven, two thousand seven, um, or two thousand eight. One of those is your years. My first year. Yeah. Shot the hot dog gun. Did the hot dog races. T-shirt cannon. I was up on the dugout no throwing way. stuff. I think we're breaking news awesome. here. Yep, yep. Uh, and then they went to what happened. So. Then they so there was that, and then the next year I took over as basically Slugger's handler, which is pretty fun. <laughs> I basically just walked around with him, and when he would appearances, so it was it was a different kind of job, lot a little bit more relaxed, thankfully. Yeah. And then uh, then they went to like an all female staff because if you notice, the K crew now is only girls. I did notice um, that. Yes, I was trying to picture you in their uniform. Yeah, <laughs> not quite. And so, yeah. So, but I have a I have a couple custom jerseys with my name that's on it, cool. just because of that's what they did. That was the uniform. How'd you get that gig? Was it is that like a hard? It was on. Or? It was on the MLB website, huh. and I think I applied for it. And I think they really liked me because I, for some reason, I was the only person who knew anything about baseball among the group. <laughs> because one of the questions they asked is. They said, because this is when Trey Hillman was just starting as a manager, and they said, where did Trey Hillman come from? And I said, well, he came from the Japanese league. I I forget the team. I knew the team at the time. I forget where he was from. Um, but anyways, so, yeah, it was interesting, and they they gave us a quiz, and they, you know, interviewed everybody. So, yeah, it was pretty cool. I have heard that before. My my cousin got a job with the Mets a long time ago. I was a video guy, and... Uh, yeah, the, I heard the exact same things. Like, well, he he knew what a curveball was, and that's why yeah. they, they hired yeah. him. I mean, he had, knew a lot about video stuff, but he knew what a curveball was, and he can name all the Mets players. So they're yeah. like, "Oh, you're hired." <laughs> so, yeah, I think I was, if, you, uh, if you know a lot about baseball and you want to get into baseball, you'd be surprised how 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 much of an advantage that is to to getting the yeah. job. Totally had no expectations of getting it, and I, I remember driving to the interview. I got pulled over, got a speeding ticket, uh, <laughs> and so. Yeah, I don't know. It was it was great. It was they, one of the best jobs ever. Pay at all, or do you get paid no. dogs? It was at their tax. It was like forty five dollars a game, uh, um, and you were there from like I think the game started at seven. You needed to be there at five, I want to say, and then you were there until like eleven. So you worked for a while. So it was less than like whatever seven dollars an hour, but you got free tickets. You got free food. I mean, it, it was worth it. Was, and it, of was there any got, ever like burgeoning romances between you and any of the K crew? members nah unfortunately <laughs> uh and i and i was dating my ex-girlfriend at the time so uh but yeah it was it was interesting and you know, did you get I mean, players just, at all yeah i mean you like you had unfettered access throughout the entire stadium anywhere you wanted to go mm-hmm. i mean i the office was um i forget where the old office was they moved offices and you by the way you got every promo they gave away you got like 15 of them it was cool <laughs> uh, but yeah like, you got unfettered access to, like, if you were the uh, T-shirt gun guy, you had to go down. Below Coffin Stadium, there's, uh, if you go to the Crown Club or the Diamond Club, uh, no, Crown Club, which one's at the bottom? Crown Club? Crown, Crown Club, yeah. Yeah, yeah. if you go down to the Crown Club, 
you obviously have access. There's a tunnel that runs from the first baseline all the way to the third baseline. And it's just a player tunnel where they walk. And so, yeah, I mean, if you were like, had, if you had the flags before games, they had people who waved the flags on the field, you would go down there. If you were the t-shirt guy, you would go down there. So, yeah, I mean, you were walking right past the Royals Clubhouse where players were. Um, they said hi. I mean, it was, yeah. So what's, what's Ross Glowed like in real life? Yeah, I uh, I did see. I have a I have a not suitable for podcast David DeJesu story. I might have to tell at some point. Yes, I uh, seriously. That. And so it was. Uh, it involves some nudity, and so that not my nudity, his nudity. I should clarify. Uh, so, anyways, but yeah, it was really really interesting. It's the Royals uh, review after dark now. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. Uh, I, I, th- I thought maybe some people might have known that. No, but, huh? I, I, I totally didn't know. That's, uh, huh. We learned something about you tonight, Sean. Yeah, That's actually really good. cool. I, I'm, I'm, I'm impressed. Yeah, well, okay. All right, let's wrap it up. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's, that, a, good that, to, that's a good note. On Naked on. David Hazes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, as always, um, thank you, Max. You can follow uh, Max on Twitter, just M-A-X-R-I-E-P-R, Max Reaper, uh, editor-in-chief, one of the – he's my boss, I guess, one of the best bosses ever. So, um, And then you can follow me. On Twitter, uh, Sean Core, S H A U N C O R E. Um, that's it, Max. Any parting words? Anything else you got? Go Royals. Okay, go Royals. All right. Have a happy opening day, and everybody have uh, many, uh, many good days. <laughs>